for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 334 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're going to be talking about chapter 5 of the book. I mean, episode, episode 1 <laughs> of season 3 of The Mandalorian today. And uh, we're going to have a good time. It's an excellent episode. Lots of hype around it. Uh, but... We got a special guest to introduce. If you have ever pulled up our podcast and said to yourself, God damn, that artwork. Look at that artwork. This is why I like this podcast. And then there is one person to thank for that. That is our good buddy, guest of the podcast this evening, Mr. Evan DeCellis. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, buddy. Oh, man. Glad now yeah. that you're here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to be here. What an episode to have me on for, too. The first thing I got to say is thank you for your time and your art that you have given to our podcast. Every single bit of it has been stellar and blows me away every single time you provide us with a piece of art. And I just oh, want to thank it's, you it's, for that. It's genuinely my pleasure. I, I've always loved your guys' shows since uh, since the epi- I think it was the episode Snoke and Mishigatam back in like 2015. <laughs> oh, my God. That's uh, like yeah. our sixth uh, episode or something. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, that was, that was when it started. And I don't know. I just have always had fun doing it. And, You've you know, Oz always beginning. comes up with the, the best ideas and stuff. So, yeah, it's my pleasure. Man. Uh, I had nothing to do with the idea for this one, though. I got... You gotta you stop with the humble brag, like the humbleness. <laughs> that's, sir. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you texted that's me fair. and said, "Hey, what do you think about this idea?" And I said, "Uh, oh, fucking course, yeah, let's go with that." And yeah. Will always you know, knows. Actually... All, Will always knows something weird's going on because I'll ask him some weird question like, you "Get a yeah." Hmm. He gets like a one a.m. text. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you were to be a Mandalorian, what would your color scheme be? <laughs> That's exactly what it was, and I didn't even question. I just fired back. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I, 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 the book of Boba Fett obviously was right around the corner, and I honestly expected to hear from Oz for maybe something that we would do, and I didn't. And I was like, well, maybe he thinks that he can't because we just did something for the High Potion podcast. I'm like, well, 
this is such a good opportunity and he's been waiting for this forever. Like we should definitely like celebrate in some way. So yeah, we definitely had to do something for this. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, you want to know what part of it was? It was that the, mm-hmm. the art previous artwork with me and Will and the raccoon and Kia D I loved that yeah. so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like that's it didn't all, even yeah, cross awesome. my mind, but mm-hmm. I mean, I had to take up the offer for some Boba Fett related artwork and boy do we have a lot of boba fett to talk about tonight (laughs) (laughs) a whole lot before we get to all that evan buddy how have you uh enjoyed or maybe not enjoyed i don't want to assume the uh first four episodes of the book of boba fett i actually really like them i mean i know that the sort of flashback uh aspect is a little bit controversial but i i think it's kind of necessary given we were missing a ton of context when he popped up in the Mandalorian. So I've been enjoying that. Um, also with the hopes that at some point they'll just stay in the current timeline. Um, I really like, like all the setup that they've done. And I've been really excited with like, you know, prior to this one, knowing that there was three episodes that things would like really heat up. Um, and then obviously as we'll talk about, I was really hoping that like, he would pop up at some point in this one. Cause I think that the story needed the time for this episode and since it didn't i'm very very curious where it's gonna like climax with two episodes left yeah um i hope the next two episodes are nice 50 minute or so episodes like mm-hmm. we've gotten the last couple you know if one of those is your surprise 28 minute 32 minute episodes of star wars tv yeah you know, uh, i don't know man it's not that you know, i'm in i'm in a wait and see pattern what they do with the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, uh, I've enjoyed all the flashback stuff, but it has seemed like there's a lack of sort of, sort of current Boba and progression yes. in that story. It's a slow burn, which I'm totally fine with a slow burn. But then, you know. It really just set the scene. Like, yeah, pretty much the Boba Fett series up up to now has been really telling the story of Boba Fett post Return of the Jedi. And now we're caught up and like it hasn't gone, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, about to go somewhere. But I feel like we're now current. Yeah. And that's not to say, like, I love the flashback stuff. I've had a lot of fun. I've found a lot of fun and enjoyment in the flashback stuff. It's I'm not in, you know, obviously that's where the bulk of your sort of character examination of Boba Fett is coming from. So. I've really enjoyed that. It's just not that that wasn't interesting. The current day stuff was always the most interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, from the get go, when they announced the series at the end of Mandalorian season two. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll go ahead and jump into it and talk about um, uh, the, um, fifth episode the return of the mandalorian you know heavily hinted at the end of last episode so will why don't you kick it off what just in general what did you think of this episode uh in this episode i mean i i mean obviously so reminded me how excited i am to see the mandalorian 
Like I was literally, I was excited when he came on screen and he was, mm-hmm. it was like mainly Mando focused. I was so fucking stoked. Like it reminded me how excited I am to see where the rest of this character's story goes as well and how it affects, um, with Boba Fett. I got more answers in this episode than maybe I have in any other, like to questions that have been lingering since the Mandalorian started. And, and First time we saw the covert, you know, like, uh, just, I, I don't know, great exposition, great setting the stage. Something's about to pop off. Like it's yeah. about to pop off big and I'm ready for it. Like I, I've been ready. You know, the windup has been good. I think so too. <laughs> um, I think the, my first, imp- like just on a baseline assessment of the episode is it's, one of, if not the best episodes of Star Wars TV we've gotten um, oh, in yeah. the live action era. It, like, technically, this could have been in a movie theater. You know, mm-hmm. of course. we always talk about it when we watch these Star Wars live action shows. There might be some iffy CG here and there. It's never enough to be like, wow, this looks cheap. Or this took me out of it. But every now and then you might see something. This, however, was stunning. Like, and my main takeaway from this is uh, it's time. Like, Bryce Dallas Howard, give her whatever she wants. Does she want her own Disney Plus show to run? Uh, Does she want a movie? Whatever it is, like, I think it's time. Like, (laughs) like, this is a Bryce Dallas Howard, maybe my celebrity crush, you know, just because Uh-oh. of how incredibly talented she is. I mean, she's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but like her talent and her, her, her ability, her artistry. It's very impressive. Um, you know, there, I, there were references shotgunned at a machine gunned at us, like reference, yeah. reference, oh, yeah. reference. Like they hit, I was trying to think, they hit almost every single category of Star Wars reference. There were original trilogy, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy, video game references, all peppered throughout this thing. Um, and like, it, it took two watches to pick up pick up on some of them. They like, there's a certain part in this episode where they come real fast and real mm-hmm. loose with the references. Um, so I really did enjoy it. Now. I've talked about this sort of ad nauseum on the, the Blue Harvest Patreon, patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. So I don't want to harp on it too much. I don't want to harsh anybody's buzz, wet anybody's noodle. But the episode also made me a little sad. And when I say it made me sad, I mean I've waited for Boba to get his his shot at the big time for so long now, whether that was a movie or a show or whatever. And we finally got it. We get a seven episode show, which initially I was like, oh man, that's a Boba gets an episode less than the other Star Wars show. Oh, well, they want they have a story they want to tell. It takes seven episodes. I'm fine with it. Not trying to be greedy. And then the fifth episode of Boba's show comes about and he's not in it for a goddamn second not even a, a glimpse of boba unless you watch the recap at the beginning i was about to say the, the recap at the beginning he's in that yeah but that's about <laughs> it so yeah it bummed me out a little and you know thankfully it was such a good episode had this been 
a not so great episode, then it probably would have bummed me out even more. But, you know, the fact that, like Will said, we got a lot of answers to questions we had. And much like Will, I was very excited to get the further adventures of Din Djarin and see what he's been up to and, you know, that sort of thing. So, Evan, what did you think, buddy? I really liked it. I agree with you guys that it was the most cinematic episode of Star Wars TV I think we've ever seen. I think that ever since I watched the behind the scenes of like the making of the Mandalorian, I like I will see a scene during this, you know, the Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian and I'll be like, oh, I wonder if that's in the volume or if this is in the volume or, you know, I just Mm -hmm. I keep asking like myself how they did it. And I think this was one of the first episodes in a while where I have no clue how they did most of it. And it was just that impressive. Like, I don't know if you guys remember that one shot. It was uh, continuous whenever Din goes and he tries to, re- you know, redeem his bounty and drops mm-hmm. that that guy's head on the table. Yep. And it's just that tracking shot around the table and it follows him back down to the elevator. And I just, you just don't see that a lot in Star Wars. Not yep. that, you know, there's not great filmmakers behind it. It's just, it was just, I don't know, really incredible. Yeah, that um, one continuous I, shot it was oh. real cool. Mm-hmm. I was also going to say, too, that I agree with the Boba stuff that you could have easily like sort of placed him throughout this episode, even if it was in small pieces. And it still would have worked. Um, Not that there's anything I would necessarily cut out of this episode, but I think even in small chunks, most of the episode, I was sort of distracted by like wondering when he would pop up. Like because this was so surprising. you know. (laughs) Yeah, there was a certain point like I'm sitting there and like I am fucking engrossed, right? And then I am like, wow, this is badass. Any minute now, the whole time I was like, oh, Din Djarin's going to get a fucking text from Boba that just says, you know, W-Y-D, what you doing? You know, (laughs) hit me up. Yep. Uh, And I was like, oh, and then these two homies are going to get together and catch up. Awesome. And then the episode kept going. And then about the time he was about to take his joy ride in his, his new ship, it hit me. I was like, oh. There's no, there's no Boba in this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I think you're right, Evan, you just a couple of even brief cutaways to Boba. Um, yeah. Could have worked um, and alleviated a little bit of that for me. But, you know, I say all this with peace and love because I loved the episode. The episode was very good and I'm excited to see, it only increases my excitement to see the end of this series. So, mm-hmm. so things. I, uh, go ahead, buddy. I was going to say I am just really looking forward to what's coming next. Like I'm yeah. bummed that there wasn't a bunch of boba, but I feel like there's going to be a big payoff. Boba whipping ass, wearing the full on armor with the helmet on, so all the people bitching are like, "Hey, he doesn't wear the helmet enough." Like. I'm enjoying Tamora Morrison's performance. Thank you very much. Every scene he's Mm -hmm. in, like, I don't care that he's not wearing the helmet. Like, he'll put the damn helmet on when it's time to do business. Like, it's probably sweaty under there. Shit. Like, (laughs) he's on Tatooine. (laughs) Right. Um, And the other thing I was going to say is, you know, Tamora Morrison is a 61 year old man who has been doing a lot of choreography and stunts and hanging out in the desert. Like, the man has been putting in work. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, Letting the Mandalorian carry an episode before we set up for the rest of the ass whooping. I don't know if it's like appropriate. I don't know. It's not not misdirection isn't the right word, but 
I don't know, a reprieve. I don't know. You know what it's like? It's it's like an interlude in a like you're reading a book and there's a there's an interlude. Um and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with an interlude. It's just I know. Like, you know, imagine imagine, okay. Uh if just not you two guys. Uh but if you're listening and you're like, I don't know, man, because I've I've brought this up to a few people in my life and a few of them have thought maybe I was a little insane. Because of how good the episode was, which I get. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I imagine, okay, let's say Obi-Wan comes out. The Obi-Wan miniseries, which is six know. episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And f- you're going through four episodes and you're like, man, this is awesome. Here's Ewan. He's so fucking cool. I'm so glad he's back. And then episode five comes out. And it's all about Ahsoka. Maybe that's a character yeah. you also really like, just like I also really like Din Djarin. Mm-hmm. But you've been waiting for this Obi-Wan series forever and to have him come back and play Obi-Wan. So it's, you know, it's just a little bit of a bummer. That's it. I'm not going to bring it up yeah. anymore. Just I had to get it out there. I've already talked about it enough on the Patreon. No, I mean, I, I totally sympathize with that, even as somebody who, like, I like Boba Fett, but I'm not, like, a hardcore fan. Mm-hmm. I never, never disliked him. I just, I think for me, it would have been, it would be better if I knew Boba was going to get a season two ahead of time. Oh. I, like, this would be a little bit easier to swallow, you know? True. If, if they said, if, like, in an interview, because remember, the day The Mandalorian premiered, at the premiere, they were talking like, oh, we were just shooting Mandalorian season two today, in fact. Mm-hmm. If there was an interview with Tamora where he was like, yeah, it was great working with all the actors that played the Tuscans. And, um, you know, it's a shame that uh, they're not on set while we're shooting season two right now. If that was the case, Ugh. it wouldn't it wouldn't have bugged me at all. But the fact that it mm-hmm. that no such thing has been announced, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. I am getting, it struck me like a load of bricks the other night after Jesse and I watched it, which was my second time watching it. I'm getting real worried that maybe uh, there is no Boba Fett to be in a season two. Like, what if they kill him at the end of this? If they kill Boba Fett, I'll be real sad. We'll take the- officially uh, pass the torch to Din Djarin. Right. And that's nothing I'm not- Shitting on Din Djarin or Pedro Pascal or anything. Love the character. Love the mm-hmm. show. Uh, but I will be real bummed. And I'm telling you right now, uh, we will we'll be here for episode seven of the Book of Boba Fett and to talk about it and break it down. But uh, that next week we're taking off. If they kill Boba Oof. Fett, I need some time. <laughs> um, I think that th- it might be something like kind of stupid to say it like as a hint but i honestly think that the inclusion of something like that rancor tells me that there is going to be a season two because i think that they're doing with boba what they did with the mando which was like slowly giving him this arsenal of like people and items and objects to like build it up and i don't know how they can resolve like including the rancor with only two episodes left that seems like i feel like a plot thing to to have two episodes left to do I feel mm-hmm. like the the reunification and unifying of Mandalore is going to be a big plot in Din Djarin's story, and I just feel like it's a missed opportunity not to have Boba Fett 
aid or play a part in that somehow. Like, <laughs> so I'm fine if Boba Fett's not whipping ass, but I mean, I'm You can leave him a power broker and sunset him. I don't need you to kill him on screen. I can. I'm. I'm all right. Well, so I don't. I don't necessarily think they will kill Boba. I just had this sinking premonition while watching the episode the second time where I was like, uh, I guess that could be where they're going. Honestly, I think there might even be a bit of a hint at sort of Boba's future as far as this whole story is concerned. Maybe in this last episode, um, to jump ahead a little bit, there's the scene where the armorer is melting down the Beskar spear. Mm-hmm. And she says this thing about this prophecy on how um, song, you know, the ancient songs of Mandalore talk about how the Mythosar will rise from the ashes and reunite Mandalore or whatever it may be, right? They recall. And he claims. Go for it. No, I was saying he claims to have ridden one, didn't he? Who? Boba Fett. I don't think so. No, he just said, I've ridden beasts bigger than this. My right. Bad. But what Boba Fett has always used, like he's always had the Mythosar skull on his armor. That's always been imagery associated with Boba Fett. In fact, mm-hmm. when tra- do you guys remember when trailers for um, The Force Awakens came out and they showed Maz Kanata's castle, there was a Mythosar yep. flag, and people were like, oh shit, does that mean Boba Fett's going to be in this? Um, but besides all that... Uh, I think maybe that's sort of a hint that like maybe Boba will something Boba's going to do, or maybe just being um, an ally to Din Djarin will, will sort of make that prophecy or whatever come true. I kind of lost my train of thought, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. So things sort of kick off, right? And we're in like this meat packing plant and, uh, Din Djarin shows up. He whips a lot of ass with the Darksaber. The whole time when he first showed up, I was just scoping him out, trying to see if he had that Darksaber somewhere on his belt. Um, (laughs) And then sure enough, it shows up. uh, And it's actually kind of like one of the more violent scenes we've gotten in Star Wars in a little while, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. A dude visibly gets cut cut in half. He two gets, of them, two or three of them. Gets, you know, there's a couple that get impaled. Um, and then he decapitates a dude. Granted, that's off screen. But yeah. uh, Evan, what'd you think of the opening? Oh, I loved it. I mean, his entrance, I mean, that was just incredible. Like, I think Will was saying too that, like, you don't realize how much you missed him until you saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also love, like, the emphasis of, like, this new dog alien that they're kind of running with. I know it's kind of been in the background in the past, but I but, like that they're injecting it more and more uh-huh um and then the other thing that i thought was interesting was until we obviously found out later why his the, the dark saber was so heavy i was wondering why he was like swinging it the way that he was i was so confused mm-hmm. you know um that was really fascinating yeah yeah i mean they really telegraphed they did a good job sort of for uh foreshadowing and telegraphing some of the stuff cu- upcoming right yeah, definitely. Uh, Will, what do you think about the opening? Oh, super awesome. Like, it scratches that itch. That's what you want. You want to see that, you know, cold-blooded, silent Mandalorian walk in and everybody be like, oh, shit. And then it happens. It, it inevitably happens because you push that man too far. 
and then you know you get the business in. I love that. I love it. I love the way he handled it. I love that he injured himself with the sword. Super realistic, you know. Um, I say realistic, uh, believable. You know what I mean? Like uh, immersive in understanding that he wouldn't know exactly how to wield that damn sword. Um, but great, like just great, great the way it pulled off. I like the, I don't know, sort of the real world butchery element. Like, yeah, it was a very grounding in sort of like a. I don't know a grungy it was still futuristic but i don't know there was enough coveralls and tile plastic and beef that it was like oh shit like life happens here in a really awful disgusting way <laughs> yeah it, it, as far as i can remember the first time we've seen sort of that aspect of food preparation in star wars i can't think of another time um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unless you want to count the ice cave with the wampa. Well, yeah, I mean, things <laughs> things probably I mean, we were going to go in that direction if Luke didn't get himself down. To be honest, the, the gut and the tauntaun. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that one gave me yikes as a kid. Like I was oh, yeah. like, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. Um, I was I was always like, why is this belly filled with ramen noodles? Yeah, um, what are the worms <laughs> in there? <laughs> uh, and so you know that all happens, and then. We see Din walking around a motherfucking Halo ring. Come on. <laughs> I was about to say, we got a super sci-fi ring world in Star Wars now. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really that cool. That the covert is on the bottom side of. Like. Um, and he has his whole negotiation with the client who hired him for the bounty. And it uh, turns out the whole thing he's really there for is information. Because he's trying to find his covert. And he gets in there. <clears throat> um. The armorer is in there, and old big boy Paws Paws Vizsla is in there. And they're the Mm -hmm. only two survivors. Yeah, which is sad. The end of, what was that, episode three or four of season one? It was when when Mando had to escape Navarro with uh, Grogu. Um, Will, what'd you think? You know, we'll get to the bigger stuff of this scene, but what'd you think about specifically um, him coming back to the covert, sort of the dark saber stuff, you know, the first little bit of this part. It's great. Uh, but to say, I was going knowledge bombs, knowledge bombs dropping everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you, you can tell where the budget, you know, was spent, especially on that ring world. It looks amazing. Yeah. And then the shots in the, the new foundry, like that shit looks amazing too. That's tight as hell. Yep. Uh, I really like when he shows up and she's like, what kind of uh, weapon gave you this wound? And like, he holds out the, the dark saber and immediately like the helmeted acting in this episode mm-hmm. was incredible because you can't see the guy in the pause Vizsla armor, but you immediately get a bad vibe from him. When he pulls that out, yeah. I'm sure you know the music has something to do with that and all that. But you know me, I love some ancient Star Wars lore. So when they started fucking info dumping and and, and catching people back up on Tar Vizsla and the history of the dark saber and shit, awesome, amazing, right? Um, um, go for it, buddy. The the cutscene of the Night of a Thousand Tears, yes. 
Mm. Uh, impressive. Dark and, I mean, impressive. Uh, Evan, you texted me about that scene, like, in the middle oh. of watching the episode. <clears throat> and you nailed exactly the vibe I got from that scene, too. Like, you, you, we had the same thought. Um, yeah. Yeah, I texted Haas and I was like, oh my God, this is like Terminator. Like, mm -hmm. this is not Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, in the best way, though, possible. Like, you could totally tell, like, that influence. I mean, seeing those K2 bots in the distance and, you know, you have those drones flying over with the spotlights. It just, yeah. uh, it was so good. And fucking, there was a, a couple of fucking man in the bathtub probe droids hanging out. <laughs> the Thai bombers. It was, in you know, our first look at live action Mandalore. Um, yeah, really cool and went a long way in making those K2 droids seem scary and threatening because, you know, K2SO doesn't necessarily seem that way to me, you know? No. Um, mm -hmm. Humanized out of the gate. Yes. But, uh, I think it did a good job of like showing you like, no, those things can actually be pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Jedi Fallen Order also helped that for me as well too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, by the oh. way, the droid from Jedi uh, Fallen no, not Fallen Order. Yeah, you're right. BD. No, yeah, yeah. BD, the BD droid. I was like, yeah. yes, I love that BD droid. Yeah, and it's. I don't think it's supposed to be the exact one. I think it's just the same model. Right, right. Um but but it's man, cool that he can hang on to your shoulders and back and stuff, the whole design of that. Yeah, I loved I love that droid and I'm a big fan of B D in Jedi Fallen Order, so I was real mm -hmm. happy to see one of those guys show up in live action. And so then we get the scene, right, where she's asking him about where he got the spear and she's yeah. saying like, Oh, you know, Beskar steel, Mandalorian steel is meant for armor not weapons so she starts melting it down and that's when he basically requests that she make something for Grogu and says he wants to see him again to see if he's safe uh, and then we get um, you know a, a neat little scene of her making something some chains I'm assuming some sort of uh, <laughs> some chain link something chain mail probably mm, yep his little that's my vest. guess it's probably a chain mail poncho um and then um, uh, she wraps it all up for him. What did you think about that part, Evan? I really liked it. I was kind of surprised that if it is chainmail, I was surprised it was something like that. Um, I thought it would be more like Mando armor because I was like, you know, Disney could probably not resist making a little Mando uh, Grogu to right. basically resell liter literally everything they've already just sold. Um, <laughs> and I also thought it was really cool, too, because even though I like that spear... I kind of thought like his combat scenes in the the butcher shop, like I was kind of just focused on that spear because I was like, this is kind of Bulky. awkward for him to move around. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of reminded me of like an RPG when you have like a million items on your back yeah. and it kind of makes no sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I thought it was really cool that they like repurposed it. And uh, that was obviously the first hint of, okay, if he's getting this made, somehow he has contact with him. So that was the big thing for me in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I assume it's going to be like chain link and maybe it's, you know, like maybe when you're a foundling, uh, that's your first step before you get an actual piece of plate armor or something as you get the chain. Like mm -hmm. Disney, maybe Disney's like, all right, we start him off in chain, chain mail. And then once he gets his strength and his dexterity up a little, then he can go full plate. 
And that way we can (laughs) sell you guys three versions of Grogu. Yeah. I mean, if I'm thinking about it, like as a parent, like he's going to outgrow whatever armor you make for him right now, Mm -hmm. though it might take 200 years for him to outgrow it. True. Uh, you know, a chainmail shirt can kind of grow with you. Like it might be big on him, but you know, after two or three hundred years, it might fit like a glove, or it could yeah. even be adjusted and let out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it would so, definitely protect him from a lightsaber strike to the torso, right? I would think if so. He had chainmail beskar. Yeah. On. Blaster bolts too, probably. Oh, That's yeah. true. Um. So then we get the training scene between. Um, the armorer and Din, and it does a really cool job of mirroring uh, a similar training scene from Rebels when Kanan was training uh, Sabine how to use the Darksaber. And um, there's even a line in that episode where she says something to the effect of like, it feels like the blade is getting lighter. And Kanan tells her like, mm-hmm. well, you're connecting with it. But in this one, we see the opposite, where he um, he's having trouble using it, and it's because um, he's fighting against the blade, not against his opponent. The guy in the suit does a really good job. It becomes very obviously heavier with every swing mm-hmm. if, if you if yeah. you're watching him fight or try to you know try to fight. Um, what did you think of that in general? Besides that, will like the training scene. Um, and sort of the whole concept of this, you know, seemingly non-force-sensitive person using uh, a lightsaber and and struggling with it and stuff. Uh, it's a great, it's a great scene. Um, I have this suspicion of the foundress, and like, I wonder if her initial reaction to melt it down was like protecting herself. I don't know, like, oh, you know what I mean, mm. like. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put bad intentions on the founders because she's so badass and she's so full of wisdom. But um, I don't know, man. It was just interesting that her, you know, you don't want to preserve an ancient Mandalorian relic. Your first instinct is to destroy it. Like, um, that was just interesting to me. And that may, that may, but it makes perfect sense. Like, you would need something to make for Grogu. Like, it makes sense why she would do it. Like, I'm reading too much into it. But uh, that whole scene is cool. The information, the way they do that, his training. Um, and then, you know, the Vizsla challenge, that was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. I don't know that you shouldn't not trust the, the armorer by the way, cause like, yeah. I think over two seasons of the Mandalorian, we've been sort of, they've been sort of showing us that, you know, maybe this covert that didn't has belonged to uh is a bit of sort of an extremist death cult type thing within man kind of kooky especially if they're death watch you know death watch was not portrayed as good guys in the clone wars you know yeah so uh i think you're kind of meant to not trust her as much um but I guess we'll see going forward because I assure you that is not the end of seeing those two characters. Uh, what'd you think of the training scene, Evan? Yeah, I feel the entire same way. I think it was good to see him get better with it uh, because obviously we couldn't go from like the butcher scene to him, you know, sort of being a master at it whenever right. he really needs it most. So I think having it here was really nice because that gives me hope that 
you know, we're going to see it pop out in episode six or seven and he's going to, you know, use it effectively. Um, it definitely reminded me a lot of the way Ray handled her saber whenever she was fighting Kylo in the force awakens in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was just, it was just really solid. And I totally agree about like with the challenge, um, you know, with the, with going against Vizsla, like he, he was ready to kill Din. He we even talked about mm-hmm. like wiping out, didn't he say like wiping what? out his clan or yeah. something like that? Yeah. So I admit he was going to kill Grogu. Yeah. That was, uh, that added a lot of stakes to it that I didn't, you really, you know, think was going to be there. And um, I think as far as your comment for the armor, or I'm sorry, the Foundress will, I, I agree because I think that she's kind of been like emotionally neutral. So it's really hard to see like what her intentions are or like what she's really driving towards. And I think that that definitely makes her like super compelling and gives, really gives the writers the freedom to, you know, completely flip her if they want mm-hmm. um, at any time, which is kind of horrifying in a really cool way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fight between Din and uh, Paz was fucking gnarly. Like he, he's using like this uh, arm shield and a vibro knife and mm-hmm. just, using his weight advantage against Din, throwing him all over the place. Um, and yeah, he's got that line about, you know, this this blade will be the end of your clan or whatever. Because, yeah, like, you know, she calls off the fight when Din is about to finish him. But uh, it did not seem like he was even going to give her the chance to do that when he was fighting Din. <laughs> yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get the scene of her asking if he's ever taken his helmet off the moment we've all known was coming since, yeah. you know, since season two, the when Bill Burr episode. Yeah. <clears throat> so I did think that was interesting and also interesting that she, like, she was just, all right, you're done. She calls him an, apo- well, he calls Dan an apostate, apostate but yeah. they still, it's interesting. They're so beholden to sort of the, <coughs> their creed and their rules that when he leaves, mm-hmm. they let him take the dark saber because he won it in combat. He did. They, um, and they I was say shocked. The only way he can redeem himself is through a dip in some, you know, spa deep under uh, Mandalore that <laughs> yeah. he immediately says is destroyed. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, obviously not. Guess where you're taking a trip to? Yeah, pack I, a swimsuit. I think we're gonna be seeing live action Mandalore, present day live action Mandalore. As, at this point is a definite for season three of the Mandalorian. Of course. Because yeah. Yeah, whenever, Oh, sorry. No. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder how that's all going to go. Cause I feel like at some point he's going to break from following the ideals of this covert. He's been part of. Um, I wonder if it is the dip in the hot spring that turns out to be kind of like a force cave. That shows oh. you a mirror mm. to yourself. And when he comes out of that, he's like, no, I am a Mandalorian. Like, you don't have to tell me who I I know who I am. Like, you know what I would someone else yeah. to tell me who I am. You, okay. What would make me feel a little better about this episode is if next episode, when we finally see Din and Boba hanging out again, if Din tells him like, yeah, I got kicked out of my covert. I'm not a Mandalorian. I'm no longer a Mandalorian. And Bobo's yeah. like, you know what's fucked up? People always tell me I'm not a Mandalorian. You should say, <laughs> fuck those guys. No, we are Mandalorians. 
like if they obviously <laughs> it oh, wouldn't be that yeah. dialogue but if they they had right. a conversation to that effect i'm sure he will yeah he will um, say yeah, something I mean, to bolster din's din's you know mindset yeah when when she was talking about you know going to mandalore and everything i was like okay so she's basically telling us the the plot of season three right say, next next quest lined up yeah and I think that I, I agree that maybe him going to Mandalore will be like sort of the start of him finding out exactly what he's been a part of. Because since he was a little kid, he's basically been following their version of events and, yeah. and storytelling. And that's so maybe true. that's that's where he breaks off. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think you can see the cracks of that when he meets Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yeah. And, and, you know, that they just freely take their helmets off and stuff. And yeah. not that I don't, I think Bo-Katan is maybe going to be a problem for Din in the future too, but, you know, maybe, you know, he'll it's come. It's a warrior society. Everyone's a problem until they submit to your, you know, to your rule. Um, it's a samurai warlord thing. And then he, uh, he leaves. He takes the Greyhound to Tatooine. Um, I loved <laughs> the scene of him having to put all his weapons in the storage container. Oh, I thought that was going to be. I thought that was oh. going to get stolen out of that box for sure, buddy. I had oh. the same fear, and I was like, "Don't do that. Don't." As make... I said, the rest yep. of this episode is the quest to get the sword back. Yeah, I was real worried about it too. Thankfully, they didn't do that. It was cool. Yeah, I, it was cool that they didn't because it was kind of. I don't know, like, uh, well, what's the word? Um, not ex- like subverting expectation, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Uh, you, you were thinking that, but uh, you were like, no, 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 not this time. <laughs> um, so yeah, take- it's like Star Wars TSA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of Disney World. Um, yeah. <laughs> takes public transport to Tatooine uh, to go see old Peli Moto, Amy Sedaris. Who's called him there because she's got a new ship for him, and that ship turns out to be an N one Naboo starfighter. Nubian, um, <laughs> and it's in super disrepair and stuff like that. What did you think um, about all that, Evan? I'll be honest, I'm not super um, privy whenever it comes to the vehicles in Star Wars. I'm more of like the alien kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I saw that and then they mentioned Naboo, I was like, oh, yeah, that that's exactly what that is. Um, I thought that was just such a really cool idea. And I actually thought that he was going, I mean, obviously not to jump too far, but I honestly thought that they were going to do more visually with it towards like the end for, you know, what it turned out to be. Um, but they really knocked it out of the park with that montage scene because I think those montage scenes can have a tendency to kind of like drag and you're like, all right, let's just get to, you know, what we're getting to. But, um, interjecting the dialogue and them having fun and like listening mm-hmm. to her talk of the Jawas, it was just, yeah. it was all just so perfect. And I don't know. I just loved everything about it. Yeah. The, you know, the N one starfighter has never been necessarily my favorite star wars ship design like as far as star fighters go i'm an x-wing guy right mm-hmm. but i won't lie that seeing one of them show up after not being featured for so long was cool um yeah i really enjoy amy sedaris's character like she cracks me up and i think this is her strongest episode obviously i think it's the Agreed. one where we've gotten the most of her as well 
but like yeah. her talking about, you know, I dated a Jawa. They're very furry. <laughs> um, and then her delivery and the comfort in the character come through this yeah. time. Like oh, so and, good. And it's interesting. Like she saw Din riding around in the razor crest, which is, you know, sort of a clone wars, uh, galactic republic era ship as it is and is like oh he likes sort of ships of that vintage i know what he'll like um even though she Mm -hmm. does end up having to sort of talk him into it but you know i think it's another slick callback to you know george lucas's love of like hot rods and stuff to have them cut the engine compartment open and have like the big engine block sticking out of the top that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, and I got to say, it looks pretty slick, all chromed out with the yellow accents like the Razor does, yeah. too. The beginning of that I scene was, is um, so funny because the animal is grabbing Amy Sedaris and like pulling her behind the <laughs> yep. uh, the desk. And I, my immediate thought was like, oh, yeah, we clearly blew the FX budget because they he like kind of sh- the Mando kind of shot him off screen. <laughs> and like he's behind the he like. We didn't want to waste any more money on a creature. It was funny. Like, obviously, yeah. it's cool. I can see why he did that. But uh, I think Evan was right. Like, the way they put that montage together of them together building that ship, like, that was perfect. It was classic. Talking about the Jawas, she's so funny. Like, it, it mm-hmm. humanizing for the Mandalorian. And you can tell how driven he is to go see Grogu. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, a part I where he's on that commercial I... ship. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, that's okay. I would just say super quickly that whenever I saw how small that that ship was in comparison to the Razor Crest, mm-hmm. my initial hope was I hope that that means then he'll sort of establish like a hub, like world or home or something, because you really cannot store like anything in there. No, you know, like, no, no, bound, space. no bounties. Yeah, no bounties, no, no weapons, no tools. So I'm hoping that that means maybe he'll settle somewhere and kind of have more of an established place to, to work off like from. Yeah. Um, the ship I thought at first was going to be a speed racer, like a pod racer. Oh, I saw it saw on the, the engines like, under the sheet. Yeah, I was like, "What the hell is he going to do with a pod racer?" And then she pulled <laughs> it off, and I was like, "Oh, that is a Naboo fighter." And then it just seemed so perfect. After she started explaining it, she was like, "Oh, it's pre-Empire, so it's off the grid." I was like, "Yeah, it is." I'm like, "Yes, you can soup this up. Yeah, this is perfect. This is going to be great." And then the hot rod thing when it's coming, like you said, when it's coming through the the roof and how they're tricking out the parts and she's having the back and forth about how she knows exactly how she's going to trick this out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like That is all, I don't know, I say character development, but they're working on a ship. But it really, the two of them are building a bond and you're building a bond between Din and and the ship. Yeah. Well, you're also really setting up that ship as sort of its own character, right? Right. Exactly. wonder what the name will be. I'm sure he'll come up with the name for it. I don't know if he will because, like, the Razor Crest is just the model of that ship, you know? Right. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I did think it was funny that he's like, oh, I'm looking for some uh, speed mods. He's telling yeah, the Jawas. Yeah, And then they show up with a prop that just looks like a roll of wrapping of like a uh, chrome wrapping paper with some stuff glued onto it. And then that was just... in the trash tube. It was in the trash compactor yeah. in the new hope when they That's were trying. It looks like right with that. They yeah. try to brace it with, and then yeah. they just slide that thing in and it pops into place. I was like, all right, whatever I'm in. Um, <laughs> and then he goes for his test run 
and he's like going through fucking pod race locations and mm-hmm. Beggars the, Canyon. The effects of it like swooping up out of the canyon and going into space and stuff is just so sick. Yeah. Um and then, you know, he's up in space and uh gets Black pulled by over. the police. Yep, gets pulled over by I believe the character's name is Carson Teva. That's the character we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about all that part, Will? Sort of the joyride into space, getting pulled over by the cops. I mean, talk about a big grin plastered on my face. Like, mm-hmm. I knew he was going to get out of it with the cops, but you're just, I don't know. <laughs> it was fun. Everything about the joyride, the chat with the cops, like, that was fun. All of it was fun. He just blow, you know, hits the NOS and blows right past him, you know. Um, he's like, how did he go to hyperspace without a ring? Little That was uh, another thing. No hyperspace without a ring. That's awesome. The little piece of trivia for you guys, the other pilot, um, that is the guy who was Luke Skywalker's stand in in the uh finale of Mandalorian season two. Oh, no way. Yeah, I like Oh, I'm gonna have to rewatch that. Like watching it, I was like, man. Who is this guy? Is this supposed to be somebody I know? Is this some kind of special cameo? And then so I looked up his name after I saw it in the credits. And sure enough, he's the guy that was the stand-in for uh, the last episode last year. Um, Oh, that's so cool. I thought like one of those real little details is after he takes off and you just see the two um, X-Wing sort of floating in atmosphere with the planet scrolling behind them and the engine noise of the X-Wings and just... Something mm-hmm. about that was just perfect, like perfect Star Wars. It felt old school, but it looked great. You know what I mean? What did you think, yeah. Evan? Yeah, I really liked it. I think my favorite part of that scene was actually the transition shot whenever uh, it was really zoomed up on his side and you could see him leaving the atmosphere and entering mm-hmm. space. Yep. Um, it's something that you, I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't seen that in Star Wars before, at least to like that from that angle. It's just another one of like Bryce Dallas Howard's amazing choices in this episode. Absolutely. Uh, and then I, I kind of knew there was some significance to the other X-Wing pilot whenever they would like only show the one that was sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I was wondering where, uh, where Trapper Wolf was. It was that his name? <laughs> Yeah, old Filoni must was probably off filming uh, episode six of Book of Boba because, by the way, they didn't <laughs> need a single location. They only needed Ming-Na yeah. Wen to come over after her lunch break for a few minutes. Like, they filmed this episode completely separately from the rest of the production of Book of Boba Fett, which honestly in That's COVID times is probably not the worst idea, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then he gets back. Uh, Fennec shows up and explains like, hey, we need some help. Boba Fett would really appreciate it if you helped him out. And my favorite thing in that, one of my favorite things in the episode is he goes, uh, tell him it's on the house and gives her the money back. I love him being like, nah, man, I can't charge him. He did me a real solid last year in season two of The Mandalorian. And then he literally almost does like a... CSI Miami look at the camera and drop his glasses with a <laughs> yeah in the background when he says I've got to go see a little friend and then that's the end of the episode what'd you think uh, Evan 
I, I that was so good. I think though, like the question that I that was left with whenever that happened, that I'm really curious what you guys are gonna say to it is, um, he says that he needs to do this before he comes back to to be with like Boba, right? And I cannot imagine that they do another mostly Mandalorian episode like the finale eve of the show. So, do you think? Do you guys think it'll be one of those things where you know we just focus on Boba? And then all of a sudden Mando comes back and he did the thing. And then we like see the thing in season three. I don't know what I'm hoping happens is Boba's like, look, Din, you're a total badass, and you're definitely the kind of muscle we need, but we need some extra muscle. So why don't I come along with you? Right. And I'll, you know, we'll go take care of this thing. We'll go see your little green buddy. And maybe on the way, I can pick up some extra uh, folks to help with this. So what I'm hoping is like, A, that would give us a nice little refresher of getting off Tatooine again, but now Boba's along for the ride. And secondly, if they're going to meet, like, I want to see what happens when Boba meets Luke. You know what I'm, because... If, oh, yeah. if we're going to see Din take this to Grogu, we're going to see Luke, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way around it. We're going to see Luke again. So I really want to see what Boba's reaction is or Luke's reaction is. Maybe they don't, maybe they find some way around it where, once again, Boba's just driving around the block and doing uh, while Din's doing his business like they did in <laughs> Mandalorian. But that's kind of what I hope. What do you think, Will? How do you think they're going to handle that? I have no idea. I don't know if. Yeah, I just don't know. I do. I do wonder how old is Kylo Ren at this point? Is he even born? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's probably five to six years old. I wonder if we'll see a young Kylo Ren playing with a little Grogu, little Ben Solo. I've been wondering. That's where my mind went. That's what I've been wondering too. I don't because I have no idea how they'll pull the rest of that off. I, I did like that his little space in the back of his ship was like little buddy, little buddy spot, spot mm-hmm. for Grogu. I don't know if mm-hmm. they've necessarily established how old Ben Solo was when he went to train with Luke. Um, but I wouldn't say it's outside of the realm of possibility either. Um, the other thing I kind of wonder is, well, for one, I don't know that you, if you really want to piss people off, tease that they're going to see fucking baby Yoda and don't give that to them. Um, oh yeah. But I could maybe see a situation where Din comes back. Right. And he's like, got it all taken care of, ready to help out. And then, you know, the episodes proceed and then maybe they do an after credit scene at the end of the season because you have like the after credit scene in Mandalorian season two set up for Book of Boba Fett. Well, the next show that we're getting in the MTU, the Mandalorian television universe, mm. uh, <laughs> is going to be uh, Mandalorian season three. So maybe mm-hmm. the after credit scene of Book of Boba Fett will set up for Mandalorian season three. And maybe that's when yeah. we see him uh, taking that whatever it is to Grogu. I don't know, but I think you got to pay it off. If you're te- like, that would have been like last week, them teasing the Mandalorian with his theme song mm-hmm. and then not paying it off. They definitely paid it off Mm-hmm. in spades. Yeah. Do you, 
do you think that there there's any way they separate Grogu from Luke? Like, I'm trying to think. Like, he's got to end up somehow with the Mandalorian again. I'm I, I'm thinking more confident in that as time goes on. I just don't know how you can story wise justify that given the circumstances. You know, without cheapening the two season journey and then him being you know potentially a Jedi in the future. You know, any uh, attack on the temple could distract Luke long enough for somebody to get a Grogu. Like, I feel like Moff Gideon's gonna capture him again. They're both still alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wants him. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. I think, I absolutely think that Grogu and Din will be off on adventures again together at some point. I just don't know what the motivating factor or the the plot element of that is. And I do kind of wonder, like, with the Ben Solo of it all, maybe, you know, Luke senses this darkness in Ben or something, and he's like, hey... It's probably best that uh, little Grogu separates himself from this situation for the time being until we get this figured out. That, or, or you may have some vision that, you know, Din Djarin is the solution to Grogu's darkness. Like, oh, his I future is darkness. I didn't oh, okay. mean Grogu going dark. I meant, like, being... Like, if Grogu is around little Ben Solo, like, it's kind of been implied, if not outright said, that like there was stuff going on with Ben. So that's why Leia and Han sent him to train with Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, there, that is a big question. And one, I will be interested to see how they pull off. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's a little while before they're together adventuring, you know, doing their mm-hmm. thing together. Um, but I think ultimately they will be back together. And I can tell you with absolute certainty the end of Grogu's storyline isn't he dies when Ben destroys Luke's temple. They're not mm. doing that. So at some point, no way he has to leave. <laughs> so maybe he goes on like maybe like um, Luke and Din alternate weekends like divorced dads or something. You know what I mean? And he's like, oh, it's my weekend with my <laughs> with my dad Din, and they come back. Um. And there's just no more temple. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he drops him off with Luke, just hyped up on sugar. And yeah. he's like, all right, he's yours now. <laughs> hey, man, do some of that waving the magic hand thing you guys do. Yep. <clears throat> um, so you guys want to take some voicemails and continue this conversation? Because we've got a bunch. I'm going to get through as many as we can. And I have a feeling people have got some stuff to say. So do you guys mind if we uh, move on and do that? Let's do Absolutely. My favorite man, Lord. 
brand new coat of paint where we slave one pocket all this time it still flies high fives now we'll fly Hey, if you want to send in a voicemail, it's easy enough, or an email, uh, blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Let's kick it off with King Tom Chansky. Hey there, Haas and Will and Evan. Um, I know, I know, I know there was not enough boba in that episode of the Book of Boba Fett. There wasn't enough boba, King Tom? There was none. Okay. <laughs> you can continue. Any. And, and yes, I, I would have, you know liked something about boba uh but at the same time that was a great episode of, of, of star wars live action content um yeah i i i loved it yes i would have liked to to have the boba part of the story advanced but it was still nice to get um the one of the big things in the episode for me uh was boba looking at what his covert was um that it was the armor and uh, beefy fet and telling the truth. He probably could have lied. Um, but, you know, he told the truth knowing that he was going to have to leave or that he didn't meet the creed. And, and part of me thinks that he almost did that on purpose, um, not just because of his honor and everything, but because, you know, he met Bo-Katan and he realizes that, yeah, these, these people raised him and took him in and protected him. But at the same time, they're a little crazy. And it, maybe it's nice to take off your helmet. And I'm sure that's going to be a struggle for him. Um, but do you see, because the covert is pretty much, um, you know, the armor and, and, and the big guy, Vizsla. And, and I'm surprised that they would kick Din out so easily uh, because they need people. Uh, but do you see there being any future for them? Uh, or, I mean, I'm sure they'll come back at, at some point. Um, yeah, but what, what do you think of, and the, the Mando, the whole Mando story, I think, is wide open after he finishes up his business with Boba. Um, but yeah, what's the future for the Covert? It, it, it's wide open, and yeah, it, it's, hit me with some speculation, please. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for your great podcast. I'll talk to you later. Oh, I think... There's absolutely a future for the covert in those characters, and I think they are going to be a thorn in Den's side with whatever he decides to do. Um, and I think by the time I feel we like go for it, buddy. I feel like there are other Dutch Watch coverts. Oh that yeah, are led by other founders. 
I think that may not necessarily link up with her, but she could access if she needed to. I think the armorer and Paz will definitely show up again. And I think when they do, I think they will have more death watch homies with them. And it will mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. be a thing. What about you, Evan? What you think? Yeah, I agree. I think they're definitely going to be a thorn in his side. I think it'll, they'll end up eventually, I think growing into sort of a, the, the threat, I think for him potentially towards the end of his story to close it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I Cause I could see them from, from a point of desperation aligning themselves with maybe like seedier people just because, you know, they have next to nothing left and maybe ultimately they kind of despise that the hit that they took was because of him. Um, I don't know. It'd be really interesting to sort of see that all come full circle and that be like his main big bad at the end of his like overarching story. Yeah. I, you know, it's, they've made it pretty clear that there's not much left on Mandalore, but I do feel like there's going to be, sort of this trying to reunite Mandalorians and, you mm-hmm. know, repopulate Mandalore and sort of return, try to return them to their former glory. And, and I think, you know, part of it will be Din wanting to some, make maybe some changes to the way they, the ways they've always thought to, you know, sort of progress them uh, further than what they were before. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I could see them being an issue like, cause clearly definitely the armorer and beefy fat as uh, King Tom called him <laughs> uh, are very adherent and don't want to hear of any other way of being a Mandalorian than sort of this death watch. Don't take off your helmet. This is the way, Yeah, you know, type of approach. You think that's Johnny Fabs in the armor? Or you think that's just his voice? Nah, that's a that's a stunt actor. Oh, and by the way, I read this. It was a terrible review of um, this episode. Like, just sort of nonsensical in some parts. But one thing they said was like, "Man, Pedro Pascal is really good at acting in armor." And I wanted to be like, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> "Bro, he was not mm-hmm. in that armor one bit in this episode." That fella, that fella took a lunch break from filming The Last of Us and recorded his dialogue in the <laughs> closet. Like, right. that's what happened for this. Not saying he won't be in the armor for season three ever, but I also... <laughs> he was not on set yeah. for Bryce Dallas Howard's episode. <laughs> I absolutely believe that if uh, Pedro Pascal was in that armor, we probably would have seen him without the helmet at least once because... Oh, yeah. Uh, especially after he gets kicked out, like shit, take your helmet off all you want. Yeah. <clears throat> and the, uh, the stunt guys are hella cheaper as far as labor goes. Yeah, big time. Oh, I'm a celebrity. I'm hoping his two main stunt people get a nice little pay raise for season three, at least, especially if he's not going to be around much. I mean, you would hope so, especially at what a kick-ass job they're doing. Yeah, for real. Um, so next up, let's hear from Jim. Uh-oh. Good evening, Halls and Will and Mr. DeCellis. Uh, what an excellent episode of Boba Fett. I mean, gotta be my favorite. I mean, what was missing? I mean, I, I, I couldn't be asked for more. <laughs> okay, my point is uh, that uh, I love the episode, but it was, I was a little stymied by no damn Boba Fett showing up in it. But uh, I'm convinced that uh, 
Boba will be the leader of Mandalore. He will ride high on the Mythosaur, and uh, I'm just trying to figure out how he's going to get the dark saber. Um, did you guys notice the the Star Wars quote uh, Mando did when he's talking to the BD droid with the light, and he's like, higher, just a little higher, doing the Sarlacc pit quote? I thought it was good. Uh, I, I didn't notice it the first time through. If Boba is going to rain on high, he's got to get that dark saber. So I was wondering if you guys could brainstorm, come up with some sort of scenario where uh, he wins it uh, and Din survives. I was thinking like Fennec, may, Fennec maybe hurt somebody this close to Din and uh, they get in a, a fight and Boba steps in and saves her, wins the dark saber or whatever, what have you. But uh, I was just wondering if you guys could come up with something. And uh, also, hey, you know, it's a it's a six-episode Boba Fett series with one episode of Mando thrown in there. That's the way I, I look at it. Hopefully it's back to normal next episode. All right, gentlemen, ignite the green. Hey, Jim, peace and love, buddy. Look, <laughs> would I be stoked if Boba turned out to be Mandalore, the leader of Mandalore? Oh uh, yeah, I like that would, but I don't necessarily think that's where it's going. No, sir. Um, and I don't think ben, Boba Fett or Din Djarin will ever have a crossword. I think, I think, um, shunned Mandalorians ride together. That could be it. Now I will say, mm-hmm. I, I could see if if Boba continues to be part of the story post Book of Boba Fett, like if he's a Mando season three um i could see them having some you know butting heads occasionally but i don't know that it'll ever get to the point where it's like boba's in the position to challenge him for uh the dark saber um Mm -hmm. i kind of feel like din's destiny lies more on that path than boba's you know and i feel like boba fett knows that like already yeah I mean, you know, these next couple episodes will probably definitely do something to advance the two of the, like their relationship with each other. And, and I could feel completely differently after these next two episodes. But I like the idea of them being allies instead and like, you know, Boba being Din's, uh, you know, one of Din's like right hand people along with Finnick and mm-hmm. or well, mm-hmm. no, Finnick's with Boba. Um, but let's. Let's take the hypothetical route. Why don't you start it, Evan? If it was going to happen, if this, the mm-hmm. plot was that Boba become, comes in possession of the Darksaber, how do you see something like that going down? Okay, if I was to write it, very, very high level, but the way that I would have it happen is um, maybe Fennec and Mando are on some reconnaissance mission, and during some sort of scuffle or whatever Mando gets taken or something and the saber falls. Uh, the only way I can see this happening is like Fennec brings it back to Boba and says, you know, this seems like something that should be in the hands of a Mandalorian. And then Boba uses the saber in his pursuits to, you know, get Din back. And since he's all about respect, he knows whenever he finishes the job and gets him back, he, he hands it back to him. That's to me, that's like the most realistic, like almost on a loan type situation right. where he like Mando doesn't have a choice but to lose it in a sense. I gotcha. Look, would I squeal with joy seeing Boba Fett fucking wielding Oof. the dark saber? Absolutely. 
Um, Will, what do you say? If you were to see a situation where this happens, how would you see it happening? You know, I don't see Din Djarin losing it, but, I mean, if things go really bad for him, he could be stripped of it at one point, and thus um, maybe Boba Fett beats whoever took it from Din Djarin, thereby claiming the saber through combat, you know, won it through combat. Now that, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I could, now, I'll tell you this. I think you're right, Will. I don't think that Din is going to hold on to that dark saber start to finish. I think we will see him lose it at some point. Um, Again, Moff Gideon seems like the most likely candidate to fuck his shit up. He or, wants his Grogu back and he wants his dark saber back. Or, or Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, or it could even, mm. like we could get a... Uh, um, a rocky montage of Paz Vizla training to fight Dent. Because, because <laughs> by the way, there's no way the armorer and Paz Vizla don't want that thing, right? They want yeah. that saber, especially now that they consider Din an apostate. Well, and they're uh, so we we. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, Haza, we, are we going to see uh, Vizsla running up and down the Halo training for the, like, the fight? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> Wearing uh, weights on his ankles and fight. Oh, well, they've already got <laughs> the big sides of beef he can go punch. Boop, it's boop, on boop. the same planet. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, hear a message from Intercontinental Tom. Hey, you guys, this is uh, Tom in Sweden here. Loving the book of Boba Fett. Um, speaking of Sweden and speaking of the book of Boba Fett, the other day I got a phone call from a friend of mine called Axel. Uh, he's no longer in the band, but he was a founding member of Swedish band Graveyard. Some of your li- listeners, Steve Crothy included, may have heard of them. Um <laughs> He called me and said, Tom, you're our resident Star Wars guy. Um, And he told me that uh, he had been watching the Book of Boba Fett and uh, the, the, you know, the episode finished, the the theme song was playing, and his son kind of went like, isn't this Ronja Röverdotter? Now, Ronja Röverdotter is um, a kid's story originally written by Astrid Lindgren, who uh, wrote Pippi Longstocking. Um, And they're referring to a film of that story from 1984. So, I want you to take a listen. Have a listen to this. Tell me what you think. Um, This opening part, nothing so familiar here. Side by side comparison. 
Let's have a listen now to uh, Ludwig Göransson's theme for the Book of Boba Fett. Is Axel crazy? I mean, that, like, um, so, Axel mentioned that um, Ludwig Göransson, the, uh, you know, the guy behind the, behind the music, um, he's around our, the same generation as us, um, and it's extremely likely that he grew up in the 80s <coughs> watching this movie. Um, and I've not heard anyone else uh, mention this at all. So, if it is indeed true, this is a uh, a world exclusive. I will be mentioning it on my own podcast, of course, but... <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Thanks so much for the amazing work, as always. And uh, this is Tom in Sweden, also known as Friendly Tom, also known as Intercontinental Tom, signing off. Yeah, that sounds real film. That does sound real similar, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, that was an incredible find. Yeah, man. I, wow. Uh, yeah, I have not heard anybody mention that, but it does sound very, very similar. That's great. Like when he first started playing it, I was like, ah. But then it got quickly got to a part where <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh. If not, if not pulled directly from, definitely inspired. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And for the record, uh, Tom. We definitely know all about fucking Graveyard. Uh, Graveyard is a band that we definitely heard a whole lot playing um, pot poker, Will. In fact, they they got a song called (laughs) Blue Soul. I recommend everybody check that out. It fucking rules. Um, I miss poker. Let's see. What is the next... Thing we got going on here. Oh, wrong thing. Ooh, okay, here we go. This is from Joss Olson. Hey boys, here's some cock-a-duty speculating. Boba still dreams of his father. Boba said in episode four he has some scores to settle. Um oh no. <laughs> um <laughs> He's probably pissed at the group that pulled off the flawless plan to free Han at the start of Return of the Jedi. He runs into Han and is about to get his revenge, but he sees Han with a young Ben Solo and decides to leave it be. What you think? P.S. You want to know what kind of dudes have a hog so big they need it? Oh, come on, man. Come on, (laughs) man. We don't need to talk about dick reduction surgery. That ain't. I wish it was true. You should be true. proud of your affliction, and you should not mm. belittle it for other men that have to have penis reduction surgery. Yeah. I think you should be proud. Trust me, Will. I know all about living with an affliction, and that ain't the one. That ain't the one. <laughs> you got the too much dick. Um. So, 
New Blue Harvest cover incoming. <laughs> no, no, no. I might have to actually turn down uh, an Evan okay. idea for the first time. It's the okay, reason Hoss no, is really fair. in a wheelchair is because oh. his penis is so big he can't walk with it. No, no. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hoss doesn't like it when I talk about his penis. So, um,. <laughs> I'm definitely, I mean, like at this point, I'm definitely convinced we're going to see Luke and probably baby Grogu. I have become less and less convinced that we'll see de-aged Han Solo. I mean, there's still time, I guess. But uh, if they were to run across each other, I would imagine that Boba might have a couple of things to say to Han or Han might have a couple of things to say to Boba. And Boba seeing Han with his kid, that would be a nice little way for like a nice little plot device to cool down tensions between the two of them. What do you mm. guys think? Um, yeah, that would be quite the, uh, I don't know, quite the standoff killer. You know, if there's some sort of yeah. standoff going on. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I kind of believe that like, if you were going to have that interaction be in the show, you would probably want to do that to show the emphasis as to how much he actually really has changed because if, I mean, they've done so much work trying to sort of remodel him as, as more of a wholesome individual, um, you know, who can still be brutal when necessary. But that's like that would be like the ultimate test that if he's willing to forgive him, then, you know, who couldn't he yeah. sort of like have respect for? Basically? Yeah. And, you know, I could also see like, you know, Boba did that whole speech about like, I'm tired of working for idiots that are just going to end up getting me killed. Like I could see Boba like maybe Han being more wary of Boba at first and. Boba being like, hey man, that's the job I was hired to do. And like, I ain't going to do that Almost. anymore. You ain't got to worry about me or something. You got a kid and stuff. That and Boba Fett's not paying him for him anymore, right? Like, and no, not Boba Fett, Jabba. You know, there is no bounty on him to collect. Right. Why right. would you mess yeah. with a guy when there's no benefit? Yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> All right, let's hear from Neil. What's up, Will, and uh, whoever the guest is for this week's A Book of Boba Fett breakdown? Um, I'm actually sending this to you the night before it comes out, uh, so I don't really know what happens as I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> um, but my question actually this week is about um, Cut Laquane and Sue Laquane. Uh, so I was rewatching uh, the Bad Batch, just for refamiliarizing myself with some of the episodes, as uh, last time I saw that was a couple months ago. And I guess my question comes down to um, the fact that Cut and Sue obviously are two different species, um, you know, and yet their kids obviously resemble humans, but also resemble Twi'leks at the same time. And I guess I'm wondering, like, how far does that go in Star Wars, Gen like genetics and all that? Like, mm. can a human and a hut reproduce? Like, I doubt it, but... You know what I mean? Like, how far do you think that kind of science goes in that universe? Like, I just wonder, it's very interesting, and I don't know a lot about mixed uh, breed aliens in the Star Wars universe besides uh, Cut and Suliquane. I'm not very familiar with that topic. So I'm just wondering what you guys know, and if, uh, you know, wondering what how far you actually think it goes in the end. Uh, but again, always love the show. Hope you're having a great week, and uh, may the Force be with you goes about two to three inches in the end um so 
I don't really know. Because, like, you know, Hera and Kanan have a kid. And seemingly, the result of that was, like, they had a green-haired kid that sort of had elf ears a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you want to talk about mm -hmm. something I got no clue about. is like, what happened? Like, can... Well, in, in Earth biology, hybrids are sterile. Like, hybrids can't reproduce. Like, you can cross a lion with a tiger, but the liger can't reproduce. And right. they usually Is it a have... mule that can't reproduce, and that's a right. a horse and a donkey? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and usually, well, I know ligers do. I don't know about, I don't know everything about it, but I know a lot of times there are genetic and deformalities that make, you know, physical deformalities that can make some health complications. Now, mm -hmm. I've never deposited my DNA into an alien galaxy, you know, so I don't, maybe hybrids can reproduce in a galaxy far, far away. I imagine if their biology and genetics are close enough, I wouldn't see why not. But I would imagine yeah. pretty much any sort of humanoid-esque creatures and hum you know that can can sort of mate with in the D&D &D world humanoids all have the ability to crossbreed okay so like you know like an orc with a human or an orc with an elf or uh mm -hmm. like but i mean that does raise never seen a half dwarf half elf though to be honest i don't know how that would ever work um so i i don't really know yeah i feel like <laughs> I some really i feel like there know. should be <laughs> I feel like there should be a limit, though, because some combinations could be horrifying. Like, what if you had, like, half, like, whatever Dr. Mandible is, like, merge no. with, like, a Wookiee? No, see, th that's kind of what I meant by, like, uh, <laughs> human. Like, to me, Dr. Mandible's a big, big bug. You probably, yeah. like, it's got a cloaca <laughs> or some shit. You can't. They're have, too far removed from the genus. Like, species, yeah, what is his family? Like, like, is Dr. Mandible, go, like, is Dr. Mandible going to lay a clutch of half human eggs or half fucking Wookiee eggs? Nah, like Jabba's a big slug. Probably not. But I mean, you know, I'm sure fiction yeah. of it exists, but I'm not necessarily interested in getting with an Aqualish lady, you know? No, thank you. Um, or, uh, it was you know, one time. Or a, a, a snaggletooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Oof. I don't. Really yeah, there's know. some of those aliens out there with two, two heads too. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like that guy that announces Man. the uh, pod race. <laughs> yeah, then I could have had two heads telling me what a bad job I'm doing. Let's hear from Sam. <laughs> Howdy, halls uh, and will. It's a one and a half. <laughs> Howdy, halls and will and mighty guest. Hope you are. Hope you all are well and enjoying your 2022. This week's episode was quite a ride. I felt like I was a, it was a great Mandalorian episode, but it may have not been the best Book of Boba Fett episode. Do you think this would maybe have been better as a one-off release before Book of Boba Fett came out as kind of a tease or something? I just want more Boba and build up of the current story of him with the crime syndicate kit. Do you think this slow pace means... We're going to get another season or that an early part of Mando season three will be spent on Tatooine dealing with the Pikes War. Also, it's just great to see Pelly. Is that droid BD-1 from Jedi Fallen Order or just a droid of the same make? Finally, I've been thinking about the worst job in the Star Wars universe and I think it has to be those guys carrying the hut litter. 
Do you think those fools carried the huts the whole way through the desert to Boba's palace? What do you think is the worst job in the Star Wars universe? Sorry for the long email, but I had to get some feelings out about this episode. Keep up the great work, and your positivity helps me stay positive in this world, too. Thanks for what you do, and have a wonderful week. Very best wishes, Sam. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Would this have been better served as like a one-off prologue to Book of Boba Fett or some... I, you know, it, it seems yeah. to serve such a defined purpose with its yeah, placement I, in I this. Feel, so, yeah, I feel like maybe uh, it's a good question to like re-ask after episode six. Yeah, or, or after the like end I, of the I, season. Yeah, like I, I would like to see the full picture, and then I think it'll be a good idea because they definitely had to know how jarring that would have to be, even if people were excited. So I do, I do trust them. So I, I think that there's a vision, but I, yeah, definitely want to like revisit that one. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's just so weird. Like you're doing one less episode than you normally do, and you know, there's a, mm-hmm. a variety of factors that could lead into that, but to do one less episode and then have a whole episode not feature Boba Fett does feel a little odd. does feel a little odd. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. As far as worst job in the Star Wars universe, he kind of nailed one of them for sure. I would not want to have to carry around twin huts on a pallet. Uh, what about you, Will? Can you think of the worst job in Star Wars? Oh, man. Working in Jabba's Palace. Whatever... Mm-hmm. I mean, when it was under Java's control, any job in Java's palace was probably gross. It probably smelled bad. You know, you were probably verbally or physically abused. Yeah, I, working for Darth Vader, also not a great job. Oh, yeah. The mortality, mm-hmm. the turnover rate. <laughs> turnover rate is brutal. That's <laughs> What about you, Evan? You got a, a bad job you can think of Star Wars? I feel like definitely working in Java's palace is one, but maybe worse like being Bib Fortuna's like bather or Ugh. something like getting, in, getting, yeah. <laughs> getting into those skin flaps or maybe like no. maybe being responsible for like the plumbing at Dex's diner. Oh, you know, cause he, he looks like he lays some brutal ones down. Dude, Dude you, working anywhere <laughs> behind Dex, that's the danger zone. Dex yeah. be yeah. dropping mega deuce that you can just look at that guy and tell he worked like he works in a diner. He probably, just eats greasy diner food all day. He's a big guy. He's got four arms. You know, I don't know why, but something about him having four arms makes me think he's probably got two buttholes. That's double the deuce. Four arms, two buttholes, and no belt. Yeah. You think he turns turns back and looks at the bull and is like, oh, what do you know? (laughs) If your pocketbook. (laughs) Let's hear from Mr. 100. Kobe. Hey, Oz and Will. It's your boy, Kobe, a.k.a. Mr. 100. Uh, how's it hanging? Clean, I hope. Yep. Um, wow. <laughs> Episode 5, Book of Boba Fett. I guess I don't really know if you can really call it the Book of Boba Fett, considering what we just got, but I, wow. I thought Episode 4 was awesome, and I haven't wrote it in a while. I thought um, 1 was pretty good. I thought two was pretty good. Three was pretty good. There's some parts I was, wasn't huge on, but overall pretty good. 
But four and five, man, wow. That just, five just blew my socks off. The the sets that they, they you know, obviously, okay, at this point, there's no spoilers, but the, the pot, you know, the, the pod racing set when he flies around on that, that, that just did things to me, man, that I haven't felt in so long being the prequel fan that I am. And there was all sorts of great stuff in this episode. I think this is one of the best, if you count the Book of Boba Fett, the Mandalorian, any Star Wars shows we've gotten, I think this is one of the best episodes that just did so much. Even, even some of the more just minuscule stuff like the building of the ship with Pelimoto. So so glad to see that character again. She's so awesome. Um it was just awesome. I just I loved it. I wanted to preface that. I do have something to bring up about it though that I I don't know how I feel about it. Okay. So here's my question to you guys. So when you watch the episode, um I thought I thought it was so funny when the draw was come in, I I thought it was so funny that um I thought it was so funny that Pelimoto was slumming around with some Jawas, just getting dicked down by some Jawas. I just I couldn't imagine. Anyway, anywho's, um, they show the Jawas the second time. I think when they bring him whatever that long piece was that he he pays them for that that Din gives him the money for. Um, if you notice, I didn't really notice it the first time, but the second time they come in that time. You can see under their hood, and you see the eyes like normal, but it's like they're wearing like a it's like a cloth black face mask kind of thing over it, like a full full face. It covers their full face, and but it's like it's not just. I always thought that the silhouette under the mask or under the hood was was not a mask. It was just so dark you couldn't see anything besides the eyes. Maybe this was just you know TV budget restraints. And they weren't able to do the special effects that were needed with it. But what did you guys think about if you noticed how the Jawas looked and how you got a good view of what kind of what's under the mask a little bit, how you could see that cloth piece? Do you guys think it was just um, a technical restraint just because of special effects? Or do you think that they were trying to go for that? I thought that was probably one of the more interesting, like, hmm, questions of the episode. But overall, it's great. I love the book of both that. Haas, I hope you're enjoying it. Obviously... Um, and, and Will too. I just know Hawes has been looking forward to this for so long and, um, special guest. Can't remember who that is this week, but hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys are enjoying it so far. I hope you enjoy the rest of it. And I can't wait for the next season of Mando as well. Um, as always, peace out. Have a good night. You guys are the best. Later. Hey, I just want to add a real quick thought I forgot about earlier. Um, if you got the little kids or someone you don't want to hear listening on, cover up them ears but i just gotta say you think when a jawa bus he'd be all like oh that's funny all right have a good one guys yeah yeah sure i'm pretty sure that is (laughs) what he says (laughs) something's about to bust um so you date a jawa do you date one or do you date like a whole ship full no, mm. no, I think you just date one because that one shoots a shot with her, and she's like, ah, "I'm sorry, I'm working on myself right now." You got to be careful about mixing them up, though. Um, so I think what he's talking about was just I didn't notice it. I'll, I'm going to go back and watch it uh, that spe- scene specifically to to see if I catch it this time. 
But, you know, that's just how they do the Jawa costume. Like, there is, mm-hmm. there's always been sort of black fabric that covers the person's face within the, the mm-hmm. lit up eyeballs. And I think maybe it was just a matter of the lighting or the angle or something that showed that more than maybe you're used to. Like I said, I'd ha- I didn't notice it, so I'd have to go back and look. But that's always how they've gotten the effect for the Jawas. So I think it might have just been something like that. That's what I was going to say. I think it's just an established look that, you know, the co- that's the established costume. Right. And, and it has not, been the whole time. Like if in, in the universe, if they took their he- uh, hood off, that mask wouldn't be there. You would see yeah, their... Yeah, it could be whatever. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah. just how they pull that effect off. It's dark fabric with the glowing eyeballs. All right, so we Yeah, got... it also seem, seems... Oh, sorry, Gad. No, no, no. Go for it. Oh, and I was just going to say, it also seems like one of those things that they just kind of like honored the um, not super polished nature of the original trilogy. Yeah. Like they, could they do better? Could they do better? Probably. But they probably just wanted to say like, that's kind of a charm to it. So that's yeah, all right. Why, that's all. Why fix what ain't broken? Jaw was, they, yeah. the jaw was the same ever since uh, the first movie. So why not? <clears throat> so we got one more voicemail and then one more email. We'll be caught up. We'll call it an evening. This one is from Utah. Oh, Dougie. Oh, Dougie. Osmil, you guys, I can't believe this episode was amazing. Got to be back with the Mandalorian. So many questions and good good references to the prequels. And I just wanted a pod race again. Um, can't imagine what it's going to be like when he meets up with, with Boba and they, they get their army together and they fight the Pikes. And then there's just a battle ensuing everywhere and Mando's got his dark saber out and he's fighting with it and um it seems like all hope is lost and they're losing and then up on the sand dunes you see the sand people show up on armored banthas and they come screaming down the hill and the sunlight gets in the eyes of all the pikes and it blinds them and then the tables turn on the pikes and they get chased out of off planet and i'm just getting a little ahead of myself but <laughs> man what an episode i really loved it um as a bonus question in a mma style fight between black chrysanthemum and chewbacca Ooh. who do you got mm. um i think if it's a TKO. It unfortunately it might just go with Chris Hanton, but maybe in the, some sort of like a submission or a tap out situation, maybe Chewbacca is a little scrappy and he can get some sort of a, uh, technical, you know, submission over him. Anyways, love the podcast. You guys rock. See you later. Ooh. So, in terms of different, so like I have a very limited knowledge of MMA. Like I stopped w- watching a while ago so like i have a pretty solid cutoff but to me you're looking at sort of like a brock lesnar with black chrysanthemum and uh you know somebody a little lighter um maybe a george st pierre st pierre yeah (laughs) with Mm -hmm. chewy i just think look uh it would probably be chrysanthemum but i but it's chewy man chewy would win like i got the solution for you here. okay on a on a one-on-one 
Black Chrysanthemum would annihilate Chewbacca. He's a champion gladiator. That's what he does. Yeah. Chewbacca is a pilot and engineer extraordinaire. Uh, but the thing about Star Wars is that you don't ever have to do anything alone. That's why you have friends and allies and heroes. <laughs> uh, Han Solo, Chewbacca's <coughs> crew would never let him solo Black Chrysanthemum, and they would beat his ass because that's how it, <laughs> that's how it rolls. Because you and your crew, you know, your boys, you know, you save the day. I don't know, man. I think Chewie would, since he is, he's like sort of an engineer and stuff, he would be thinking in his brain, his his Wookiee brain, he'd be doing equations, figure out like Chrysanthemum's <laughs> weak point, take him down, put him in the leg lock, thumb up the butthole, who's tapping out? Chrysanthemum. <laughs> who's tapping no, out? Well, you figure if Mando can take down Vizsla, I think Chewie has a chance. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at... Uh, Right, that's not a bad comparison, right? Again, Mando, the better fighter. He has been out there, yeah. like, clearly Vizsla has been earning his bounties, but it ain't been like Din Djarin's been working that scene. Yeah. Yeah, and in and in a weird way, uh, Paz Vizsla picking up the Darksaber seemed to kind of hinder him fighting and lead he to him. He had no idea how to use it, you could tell. Well, and it was also real heavy for him because he was right. not fighting, he was a opponent. Opponent. He was fighting the blade, not his opponent. <laughs> All right, so we got one more email, then we'll call it a night. This is from Greg, who sent this in. He said, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. I hate to go all Sunday school teacher regarding a Wednesday show, but I have taught my fair share of the Book of Isaiah and Book of Revelations. I think maybe Boba Fett is the mythosar rising to herald a new age for Mandalore, and Din is the Mandalore in the prophecy. Boba has the Mythosaur on his armor and will ride a Mythosaur. Din has the Darksaber and is already following Campbell's hero's journey. This would unify their storylines as they both kick ass together and rebuild Mandalore. Thoughts? Cheers, Greg. We kind of talked about that. Yeah, I I feel like Boba Fett is the Mythosaur. I don't know how they'll pull that off. I don't know if um, Din Djarin will ride into the final battle on top of the Slave 2 and Boba Fett has put a giant mythosaur skull on the bottom, so all the troops from the bottom just see Din on the mythosaur, you know. I don't know how that would work out, but I, I feel like the mythosaur referenced is Boba Fett. I don't think it's actually a beast. I think Boba Fett is the mythosaur. Yeah, I think he represents the mythosaur, and maybe Din will just hop up on Boba's back or ride Boba and like ride the Silver him. Surfer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. that's how it goes. Yeah, Boba Fett hits the jetpack and he's surfing him on the back. That could be it. That could be it. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that's interesting is like Boba wants to rule so badly. And he always talks about ruling with respect and doing it the right way. But then the whole entire series, everybody's been questioning, like, why do you want Tatooine? Like, what's the point? And maybe like Tatooine isn't what he ends up ruling. Ultimately, maybe he wants to be the ruler of Mandalore. I mean, I know we already talked about this, but they keep talking about the ruling thing and maybe Tatooine just isn't his end game eventually. Who knows? Yeah. Well, if you're going to rule a planet, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's just the beginning. We'll see. <clears throat> so guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Evan buddy. Thank you for being, uh, the guest on this episode. Uh, I appreciate it so much, but before we let you go, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm primarily just on Twitter, so you can find me there uh, at e the chalice twenty five. Um, I 
we'll probably be posting some updates actually to my board game that I've been talking about for, yeah. for a few years there. So if you're interested, you know, take a look and, and let me know what you think. Yeah. Uh, everybody who loves a good tabletop board game, when the time comes, mm. it is our Blue Harvest buddy mission to support this game, guys. <laughs> I will, I'll fucking, I'll rally troops. I'll be like, Hey, everybody, Evan's board game is out. Buy that shit. That would be incredible. I would love that. And the best way to find out when that uh, happens is to follow us, follow our buddy on Twitter. Uh, Hit him up. Tell him how much you liked him on the episode, how much you like the artwork, all that good stuff. Um, If you want to support us on this podcast, uh, we have a Patreon uh, patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast I've been posting immediate reactions to the book of Boba Fett Steele and I have been doing Hall's calls where we catch up about episodes those have been going up every week uh, King Tom and I have settled on the next video game we're going to talk about so there'll be a Masters of Harvest Kasi coming soon and uh, all kinds of other bonus stuff ready for you if you sign up for as little as $3 once again that's blue harvest podcast on patreon which is patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast um leave us a five-star review or rate us on spotify and check out high potion if you enjoy video games i do that with our buddy steve and we'll see you next week when our special guest is nostra thomas himself king tom chansky Mm. till then this has been blue harvest i'm hollis burkhart and i'm will witten may the force be with you May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.